0: Herod McGregor is back as Obi-Wan Kenobi in, well, Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. And I wanted to talk about the first four episodes of the series as we get prepped up for the last two, which that's going to be a whole separate episode, those final two. So I'm going to kind of do this thing uh, for the future for now is to sort of divvy up TV shows based on what I think makes sense in terms of talking about their quality as opposed to doing a whole big season arc. Unless it's one of those things where like, it's like The Boys where I'm taking my time with it and I want to see it, how it goes as a season arc. But in this case, I wanted to talk about a few things that are noteworthy about this TV show because it is all over the internet in terms of discourse. Every week, there's always a new part of the conversation when it comes to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now I, I do want to give some context. Obi-Wan Kenobi is a I'm gonna say sort of like a mid-quil type of film because it takes place after Episode Three of Star Wars and before the original 1977 Star Wars film, aka Episode Four, as some of you may call it. I just call it Star Wars because well that's what it was called in 1977, and I'm and I'm gonna let and I'm gonna keep it that way. But I was gonna say that Obi-Wan Kenobi was a lot of people's reasons to get Disney Plus so when Disney Plus was announced and it was announced that a lot of Star Wars content was gonna premiere on there a lot of people were not sure about the Mandalorian so when the Mandalorian became a surprise hit everyone was like wanting more Star Wars content and then Booga Boba Fett came and everyone's kind of like okay maybe we don't want it that much And then, of course, Star Wars Clone Wars came and sort of, you know, continued its legacy from the original run on Cartoon Network. So now Obi-Wan Kenobi was highly anticipated. Everyone was excited for the return of Aaron McGregor and the return of Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker. But I'm surprised a lot of people were really excited for him because, um, well, he was only gonna really play Darth Vader, and plus the fact is that James Earl Jones, you know, his voice, which is now AI-assisted, is the main. You know, I'm gonna say this: other than the physical actor, he is the main emotive act performance behind Darth Vader. For the most part, you associate Darth Vader with his voice and David Prowse's performance. So I think it was. I think he's really good so far. So we'll. We'll get into that in just a moment, but a lot of people were really excited for Hayden Christensen and Ian McGregor to kind of come back and get into these roles again and redeem themselves, not because they hated them in the roles. In fact, most people have looked back at Hayden Christensen and realized that a lot of the bad decisions that he made acting-wise came from George Lucas, and that Ian McGregor is one of the best parts of the the, prequel trilogy, that he is really good as a... I'm going to say successor (laughs) to Alec Guinness' portrayal in the original trilogy. Now, I will say this as a fan of Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi is a little underwhelming, and I'm not trying to be one of those people that is very nitpicky about the lore and all that. I'm going to be real. Sometimes I feel like the lore of Star Wars contradicts itself a lot, and it was made up on the spot for the most part. Like, even the original trilogy is famous for George Lucas making up stuff on the spot. Like, he didn't come up with Princess Leia and... Luke being brother and sister in the original trilogy until the last film. Because if you look at it, he does put in a lot of like love triangle aspects to it, but he didn't want to. How do I put it this way? He did. I don't think he wanted to play into the love triangle too much. So he decided to make them brother and sister while making Han and Leia the main couple. It's interesting that in subsequent. um, I, I hate to say it this way, but in like subsequent. Uh, special editions he did not remove the kissing scene between luke and Leia, which has aged pretty pretty weirdly now i'm gonna put it nicely like i got why that scene was in the in the empire strikes back but it has aged pretty weirdly in hindsight because of the fact that they're brother and sister and so There is a lot of things that Star Wars is famous for which is that these characters and these relationships and these in the lore all kind of came out of the fact that like George Lucas just sort of made it up as he went and so all these other filmmakers and other film directors are trying to make sort of like a mythology out of that and I and I kind of feel like they have a lot of pain to work with because if you're trying to do a prequel to let's say Star Wars and you hope and you also have to work with what's in Revenge of the Sith you kind of have to play into this idea of like okay we don't want to upset the fans by going by straying too far but we also want to do our own thing Star Wars is a very difficult thing to make your own and that's why i think a lot of people really like the mandalorian because it takes place away from a lot of the jedi and away from a lot of the star wars stuff that george lucas had done i mean of course it features certain characters i'm not going to (laughs) spoil the mandalorian for anybody but i do feel like those characters At least makes sense, and they're separated from other characters enough. Like, there's this character that is in the original trilogy; he's a main character, but he's not with the other main characters. So, what I'm saying is that he can have his own storyline without having to disrupt his continuity in the sequel trilogy. And you can play with that because there's such a big distance, like a 40-year distance. As opposed to, I'm going to say, Revenge of the Sith and Stars of a New Hope, where they placed a 20-year distance. So there's that. It, it's sort of like a very narrow and very difficult to navigate timeline, because now the 10 years have passed, then there's going to be another 10 years where suddenly he looks like Alec Guinness. It's like, I don't know, I kind of feel like it's very difficult already to make the series even lore-friendly. Which is why a lot of these fans don't really like it because, well, they complain about how things are different or how things are not as good as other things. Which, by the way, I'm not going to really compare it to the Star Wars Clone Wars editions of these characters. I don't care. I really don't, because I am a Star Wars fan, but I'm also kind of like, you know what, sometimes they're going to make some certain decisions, and I'm going to see them how they work on their own. I'm not going to compare the Jason Isaacs version of the Grand Inquisitor to this version that's in this TV show. So let's go ahead and talk about what works. I do think for the most part, Aaron McGregor, Hayden Christensen, James Earl Jones, and Moses Uh, ingram that they are really good actors especially aaron mcgregor who gives a really great performance as obi-wan kenobi you see him as this broken man who has lost his way with the force and he really wants to reconnect with it but there's no way he can for the most part or at least he doesn't think that he can but he can he really can if he just believes you know whatever um and then hayden christensen and james Earl jones combined do a really good job as Darth Vader because I think that they really do the physicality of Hayden Christensen really is a good match for David Prowse's who rest in peace David Prowse but he really was Darth Vader physically and so I like the fact that he was able to play Darth Vader so well and then James Earl Jones with the help of AI uh like AI technology, I suppose they made that voice sound a little closer. He is really great as Darth Vader. So I'm really happy to hear both Darth Vader and to be able to see him on screen. And he's very vicious. He's not as, I'm going to say this, as controlled or restrained as in the original trilogy. He's a lot more angry and vicious. And I think that that, is a really interesting take on Darth Vader and I'm really excited to see where it goes in the final two episodes and then there's this little girl who plays Princess Leia and she is I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest I actually like her I know some people um, you know what Vivian Lyra Blair she is good I like her you know, I'm not going to say I love her. I like her. I think her Princess Leia makes sense. She really does capture Carrie Fisher extraordinarily well. And I and I really find it to be sort of like, well, I don't know how to put it this way, but like I, I kind of find it a little sad that a lot of people are coming after her because she's, she's just a little girl. And I feel like a lot of these Star Wars fans they want to come after something and so they'll come after like the easiest target which has always been children they always come for children so if you're thinking about bullying this little girl get away from that because that this little girl i think does a good job and it's very difficult to play one of the legacy characters being a replacement for them especially considering that star wars has always been a very legacy heavy franchise that I can see the pressure that this little girl is going to go through, but she's good. I think she's actually genuinely good, and she's able to play these characters really well. I do think that some of the stunt casting, before I get into Moses Ingram because that's a whole other discussion, but um, a lot of the stunt casting that they have for, like, Camille Nanjani, it's it's fine. I do think that there is something kind of like, I don't know how to put it, like, Zach Braff and Camille Nanjani. It's a little distracting because they do fit their roles, but they also, but it also feels like celebrities within the world of Star Wars, as opposed to the actors playing characters within the world. Like, Camille Johnny fits really well, but he fits, like, the character that that was written for him and it was obviously written with him in mind. Same with the Zach Braff character. These characters were not written as I would say Star Wars characters but written with like the mindset that hey this famous actor could show up. I don't think that's always great decision but I think they do good. I just feel like it's a little distracting especially since Star Wars has always been rather timely and I do want to leave it at that. Like I do want to leave it at that it is a very timeless franchise and putting celebrities of the time and giving them roles that would be like guest star roles on a tv show kind of doesn't fit you know what i mean it's kind of like what what is the reasoning give these actors a challenge rather than playing to like what they already know especially coming on johnny since he can actually do dramatic roles I've seen him do dramatic roles really well, so for them to make him into a comedic role, I'm like, okay, well, that plays into his strengths, but it doesn't challenge him, and I think Star Wars is about challenging actors to do really well, and in the case of, like, Moses Ingram, I think she's a discovery, I think she's a good actress as third sister I do think that a lot of the hate she's getting is racist and misogynistic. A lot of the hate that she's been getting online revolves around the fact that she's a black woman, and I think that's horrifying to still see that, especially since, like, historically speaking, Star Wars has cast. Black characters and had black actors in uh, play certain roles that maybe were color blinded, meaning that you know George Lucas didn't think all oh, these characters gonna be played by a black person, but they hired a black person to play that character. It's actually really sad that over the years that like Ahmed Best and like John Boyega were bullied heavily on social media for playing like black characters, and the fact that like. You know, it, it's really horrifying that even back in Empire Strikes Back days, people really hated Lando Calrissian. They really hated him just because of the fact that, like, he was, uh, I'll say it this way, like, a con- he was a rather, I don't know how to put it this way, but, like, complex character would be the way to put it. I think he becomes more complex but like kind of a sneaky character. And he does betray the the rebels in Empire Strikes Back. But I do want to say that like, the fact that these black actors get harassed and bullied is so horrifying. And Moses Ingram does not deserve that. She is good in the role of third sister. I do think that just like, com- like Ahmed Best, she was given the direction she was given. And so Deborah Chow in this case, I wouldn't blame her for it necessarily, but I'd say Deborah Chow gave her a certain type of role to play. And so she's playing it well. Same with Ahmed Best with George Lucas. He is, they're both giving performances that are consistent with the character they're playing, but maybe the writing isn't good enough for them. And that's a shame because the fan base conflates bad writing with bad, actor and then they always think it's they're a bad person for ruining star wars and by the way they always say everyone's ruining star wars so don't listen to those fans so the thing is the writing is a little weak i do think that the character of the third sister is played really well but i think that i don't know enough about her four episodes in and i feel like i don't care like i i also feel like she is a rather unworthy h- villain and i'm not sure like i like the the desperation that Moses gives but I'm I'm kind of thinking she's not that good of a villain. I don't know, like I feel like there's something off about her and I and at this point they should have revealed more. And I hope the final two episodes I know there might be a big revelation. I think there is going to be one. But I don't know if they're going to have enough time to do it because these episodes have been like 45 minutes. They need to be, I think they need to be an hour and a half like the Stranger Things episodes. I also think this movie could have easily been a two hour and a half movie because they would have done a lot of the the kidnapping plot, which is being dragged on for several episodes. And it's kind of getting to a point where I'm like, okay, I know Obi-Wan can rescue this little girl really quickly because he's connecting to the force. It's not like the Force is not going to let this little girl, like, get away or whatever. I think that it's a rather curious mistake that this went from being a movie to being a miniseries. Because it feels like it's dragging on a little too long. And I do like the actors in them. And so I think they'd work better in a movie rather than to have to drag on these, I'm going to say it this way, like these not-so-well-written characters out Like the fact that third sister, I think third sister can be really compelling in a movie because the fact is that she's going to, she's going, her revelation, if there is a revelation, I think there is going to be one. So I'm going to correct this when the next episode of this review comes up. If the final two episodes don't have this revelation, it makes her character seem a little off. Because there's something off about her from the other Inquisitors, and there's something. The fact is, there's a reason why they keep her around, even though she keeps making mistakes. And that, at this point, I think that Star Wars is a franchise where it's established that, like, um, uh, like Darth Vader, when he gets mad, he gets mad. So at the end of the fourth episode, when he gets mad and he's about to kill Third Sister, I thought they were gonna make a bold move and kill her off, but they didn't. And I thought, okay, well why didn't to kill her off because they want to keep her around i think the fact is they want to have obi-wan kenobi maybe fight her or something to have like a lightsaber battle that ends with the death because obviously they can't defeat darth vader they have to defeat someone and moses ingram's character is that character to defeat but i don't know i feel like at this point this could have easily have been a movie and honestly this isn't a very solid miniseries Deborah Chow I don't think knows how to direct a lot of the action scenes well there's a lot of the lightsaber battle in the third part which is by the way the third the best part of the whole thing because it does feel like the best possible star wars this this miniseries can give us because of darth vader and obi-wan kenobi and their chemistry and i feel like the darth vader scenes really amp up that scene because of how terrifying hayden christensen and um, james earl jones are as that character especially in the scene where he's attacking the town and I also feel like it's the scene it's the episode with the most excitement most things are happening in that episode and not saying that I have like some sort of issue with keeping my attention I'm saying that I just think that if this was a movie this would be a good middle point right it would have been a good climax for this third episode could have been easily a great climax for a movie Right, And then the fourth episode, it's like, well, they rescued the little girl, and now they have a tracking device on them. It's like, okay, well, dragging it out, I see. And I just don't care. You know, you just don't really care anymore because you're a little tired. I feel tired. I I am invested. I am invested. I did say earlier, I guess I don't care that much. But I, I am invested to see where it's gonna go. I, I am getting to a point where I'm like, okay, well, can we wrap this up? <laughs> can we wrap it up? I got summer session coming up for my because I go to university. I went back to school, so I'm kind of hoping this thing ends well enough where I can. It's worth it that I stay up or stay up until midnight and watch it. But I'm a little worried that it's just not gonna be worth it. But you know what? I'll, I'll say this. Deborah Chow is a great director. For a lot of different projects but again very limited here seems like she isn't super confident in her work and I wish she could have done the lightsaber battles a little bit better and I do think that there is something kind of clumsy about the directing I certainly think the acting is great and I'm really happy to say that Erin McGregor is deserved to have come back for this role but I I think this would have worked best as a movie because it would have been short enough to not make the kidnapping scene seem too long but also it would have been long enough to sort of give us a good, solid film about conflict within the force. Like a two hour and a half movie or a three hour movie would have been great. But I understand that, you know, Han Solo didn't work out at the box office. But I think this could have worked out. Maybe because Obi-Wan Kenobi is being played by, its, by an actor that actually replaced Alec Guinness and was critically acclaimed. Unlike, let's say, Han Solo where it was... Played by an actor that no one, that wasn't Harrison Ford, that no one thought was a good replacement. So overall, I'm 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 intrigued to see where things are gonna go. But Obi Wan Kenobi is not as rewarding as it could be. It's solid at times. Should have been a movie. Great acting. So I'd give it three stars. But for the for the first three episodes, let's go ahead and give them a ranking. First episode three stars second episode three stars third episode another three stars and then the sec, in the fourth episode two and a half i'm hoping for it to give the series a very solid three stars but i'm worried that there's not enough time in the final two episodes considering how long they've dragged out certain plot points we'll see stay tuned for the next couple episodes in which we're going to talk about this stay tuned